All righty, back out of here on the fan. It is overtime with Jonathan Peterwin. Yeah, I can just do rounders all day. I could do rounders all day. I could do white men can jump. The realization I had on white men can jump over the weekend was that the new version of white men can jump. I think that part, that movie sucks because although the plot line isn't too dissimilar from what I hear, the reason why it got panned and the reason why it isn't great is that the actual original white men can jump was only great because of Woody Harrelson and because of Wesley Snipes. Like that was it. That's the only reason why that mo- that movie was great. It was because of their acting. The actual plot itself, this is why 15-year-old me was in just a completely different world than 34-year-old me is. The actual plot to White Men Can Jump is heartbreaking at its finest. It chooses to help out the friend that was not really a friend over staying with Gloria. It's not a, it's not a good plot to a movie. That's an awful plot to a movie. Rounders has a very similar in playing this all back and talking about Mike McDermott. Listen, Rounders is one of my favorite all times. And if I get two hours, I put on Rounders. I I love it. Early Matt Damon is about as good as it gets. It really is to me. But thinking about it, like when he goes off to Vegas at the very end, he thinks he's in such a better situation because he got his three stacks of high society back from Teddy KGB. And he thinks he's in this awesome uh, part of his life where he gets to go to Vegas and really like gets to gamble and bet on himself and do all these things. Ultimately, all that happened is the whole entire movie is eight months of him trying to get his money back while also losing his fiance in the mix. His fiance that was, you know, the, the, the fiance that he was studying to pass the bar with and was going to set up a life with. I don't know. Maybe I'm just too suburban dad at this point. I might be too washed to to live out the dreams of the degenerate gambler the way that I was when I was 15. And I thought all these movies ended in the best way imaginable. I remember 15-year-old me being like, this movie is awesome because it's real. It's real. Real life. Bad things happen. And sometimes you lose the one you love because you'd rather go play cards, for instance. How ridiculous that sounds. After the fact, it sounds, it sounds crazy. That's absolutely absurd that I thought that was a good plot. One of my favorite movies. I absolutely love it. White Man Can't Jump was one of my favorite movies, too. These endings are just made for degenerate gamblers. They're not made for real humans. I'm made for you and I out here trying to, you know, have a house, have a wife, have a kid, have a mortgage, do that type of thing. It's like mowing their lawn on Sunday, maybe playing some golf on Saturday. It's not made for us. What is this nonsense? How are these movies so popular? So many quotable lines in both of them. Maybe that's part of it. But the endings and looking in hindsight were absolute trash. Now, I want to take this to a different story, okay? And we're going to get to the Ravens. We're going to get to Lamar Jackson a little bit. But I think there's going to be a lot of interest for this one with you guys, okay? Because I'm, I am fascinated about this topic. So in case you just saw it, there's breaking NFL news. But I'm going to tie it together to a different movie that I watched that involves ridiculous fandom, Okay. So the police right now are investigating Dolphins wide receiver Tyreek Hill over an alleged haul-over marina incident. So according to the report, Miami-Dade County, Tyreek Hill's under investigation by the police department and local 10 News, is where I'm getting this from, has learned the wide receiver allegedly hit a man working at the marina. Now, I saw over the weekend Tyreek Hill was sharing an Instagram story and he was talking about his Father's Day and it was him and it was Drew Rosenhaus and they were out in a boat together and they were making jokes about sharks and all these things. So like part of the story definitely tracks. The interesting part to me is how 
the guy that Tyreek Hill hit reportedly doesn't want to press charges. It's unclear if Hill was going to face any criminal charges from the incident, but according to ProFootballTalk.com, the guy doesn't want to press any charges. So what's fascinating about this, I don't have you guys ever seen the movie The Big Fan with Pat Oswalt? If you haven't and you're listening to sports radio, you're probably going to like it because there's a sports, there's a couple of sports radio scenes in it. It's actually, it's our buddy, uh, Pharrell on the bench. Pharrell on the bench. It's him as like the host of it. And then, you know, big fan Pat Oswalt calls in. How'd I do on the Pharrell on the bench, by the way? Was that okay? I don't know that it came out as good as I can do it off the air. That was not bad at all, actually, no, okay, JP. Okay, good. All right. I wasn't sure people in their car, like, that was the worst Pharrell on the bench I've ever heard in my life. I used to love driving home late nights listening to Pharrell I after mean, work. I mean, it's cra- he's got a crazy story. I can tell his story another time. So anyway, so the movie, it has Pharrell on the bench talking to Patton Oswalt as Paul from Staten Island, right? And he's like this, he's Philadelphia Phil, he's like this, he's this big fan and everything, and he's a regular on this sports talk radio show. And it's funny because it's like him in his bedroom, and it's got him scripted out with all these different takes and all these different things, but he's a super fan. He's just, ultimately, he loves the Giants more than most people love anything. Not too dissimilar to how some of the people that listen to us love the Browns, right? You guys love the Browns. You love your Sundays with the Browns. You cherish them. What I find fascinating about this Tyreek Hill story, though, is the idea that the guy he struck is not pressing charges. So remember in Big Fan... Pat Oswalt, if you haven't seen the movie, Pat Oswalt follows a Giants player. He's filling up gas. He sees this Giants player, and he's like, "Oh my gosh, you got to be kidding me!" It's Quantrell Bishop. Like, I got, I got to go. We got to follow him. We got to go. We got to. It's Quantrell Bishop. He's like the best player in the NFL. We got to go see what he's up to. And so they go follow him to all these clubs and everything. And then Quantrell Bishop thinks that Pat Oswalt's character is stalking him, and so then he ends up beating the the daylights out of him to the point where Pat Oswalt's character is in the hospital. And you're like, wow, that escalated quickly. But like the plot of it is the idea that this big fan doesn't want to press charges. He just wants his favorite player back on the field. And I'm thinking about Tyreek Hill in this story. So if Miami, if the guy from the Marina that got punched allegedly by Tyreek Hill doesn't want to press charges, how much are we betting that he doesn't want to press charges because he understands this is Miami's best chance to win. And if he presses charges on Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill is going to have a suspension. Think about that. Now put it, you put yourself in this Marina employee's shoes. If a player on the Browns were to come up, you get in a scuffle with them at a bar, they punch you in the face, And you know unequivocally this is going to hurt the chances for the Browns to have a deep postseason run this year. Are you pressing charges? Are you saying I didn't see anything? I think there's a lot of super fans out there right now that are thinking to themselves, if a big-time player for the Browns did this, I would do the same thing that this Marina employee did as well. I'm not pressing charges. And it doesn't mean that he's not going to end up getting some sort of Something, because whether criminal charges are pursued, the NFL can still investigate under the personal conduct policy. But without cooperation by the alleged victim, it's going to be almost impossible to prove a violation. And so if the reports are correct, 
the guy that Tyreek Hill hit is going to just let this all pass. And I bet if we were to interview the guy that he hit, he's letting it pass for one of two reasons. Either he knows he was being a jerk and had it coming, which is highly unlikely, because if you're going to be a big enough jerk to an NFL superstar, you're probably going to be a big enough jerk to go ahead and press charges and sue an NFL superstar. I would make the second assertion. Dude's a big Dolphins fan and doesn't want to see Tyreek Hill get in trouble. Michael Bohm, let me ask you. You're out and about, see a Browns player, you're clubbing like you do on a random Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday nights when you're not with me. I know how you get out. I don't know that you club or not. All right, let's say you're doing a gig. Let's say you're doing a gig, right? And all of a sudden, a big-time Browns player is in attendance. I don't want to put names on it, but a big-time Browns player is in attendance. And he comes up to you afterwards and says, hey, man, like what you're doing on the guitar, but I can shred better. And you're like, no, you can't. I'm on. I'm the pro. I wouldn't tell you how to do your job. And he goes, you SOB, and then he jacks you in the face. It's going to cost the Browns wins this year. You pressing charges or no? Well, first off, I would say that we should definitely jam soon. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't yeah. say no way, uh, but. <laughs> no way, uh, man. <laughs> I'd probably believe him, to be honest. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But if it led to a blow, you know, the mosh pit got excessive or something. No, um, I don't know that I would. I mean, you know it directly impacts the Browns' win-loss record. You don't think you would? You think you'd take one for the whole city of Cleveland? I think that uh, certain things would be done maybe to, uh, I mean, obviously, like, that would. It's a great what if, isn't it? I want to hear from you guys. 216474 to below 92. What do you got on this? I can tell, I can tell the wheels are spinning. I'm fascinated by this. I am absolutely fascinated. All right, Jake Murren, let's ask you. Jake, what do you got on this? Would you press charges on the Browns player knowing that it would cost the Browns X amount of games in a season? I'm pretty confident saying that I would press charges. It, I just feel like the, a winning season, a successful season, isn't guaranteed. That player playing every single game of that year isn't guaranteed either. And depending on like the actual impact to me based on what happened between me and that player in that altercation, I feel like I'd probably press charges. Let's say you're just the guy from the marina. You're just a guy from the marina, you know. I, by all accounts, he's back working. He's not. He's not uh, in the hospital like our guy in, in big fan, Pat Oswalt. Let's just say he just struck you. Maybe, maybe you got to put on an ice pack or something like that. But the next day, you're feeling all right. Maybe you got a black eye. You think you're all right? I really think it depends on the severity of the situation. Like if he cheap shotted him. I don't know how you – I mean, that totally warrants pressing charges. So you think it matters whether or not he hits you from behind and, and, and gives you one of those or whether or not he just straight to your face cold clocks you? I only saw Big Fan once uh, when I was younger, so I don't remember exactly how he handled all of it. I know that he, like, remained a super fan. Um, oh, he remained the biggest super fan. He did have some regret about how what he did, though, right? Like, about following him and everything? No, the whole the whole rest of the plot was that his family tries to convince him to sue and to press charges and sue him for millions of dollars, and he didn't want to. He gets mad at his family. He, he, he thought it was his fault, right? Yeah, and he didn't want the he didn't want the Giants to lose. By all means, he didn't want the Giants to lose. I'm fascinated. What do you guys think? Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Dick in Maple Heights. I'm next in the fan. Hello, Dick. Hey, how you doing? What's up, Dick? You pressing charges or no? 
listen, I'm not pressing charges, but I'm definitely going to secure the bag. So you want money? You want, like, give me as much money as I possibly can? We can let this whole thing go away? No, no, nothing great. $50,000 should do the job. How much? 50? Yeah, I'm cool with 50. You don't want to be too greedy there. I'd be cool with 52. Maybe that's what happened, actually. Thank you, Dick. I appreciate the call, man. Uh, $50,000. Do you think that's how this went down? You think Tyreek Hill was like, listen, Tiger got out of the cage. My bad. Didn't mean it. All right, fine. Uh, hey, random Marina employee, I don't know what you're making this year. How does 50 grand sound? You don't, you don't press any criminal charges. We let bygones be bygones. You press charges though. For a guy like Tyreek Hill, millions, millions if you get the right jury. In case you're just joining us, report out there Tyreek Hill. This is brand new. Tyreek Hill under investigation for allegedly striking a Marina employee. According to all the reports, Hill got into some kind of disagreement with an employee, and the alleged victim does not want to press charges at this time. I'm convinced he doesn't want to press charges because he wants the Dolphins to win as many games as possible. In Miami, Come on. But I don't know. Would you guys do that for the Browns? Would you guys do that for a big-time Browns player? Oh, man. I don't know. There's a lot of people out there that are listening are thinking to themselves, I just want a mini lottery. That's my mini lottery ticket. Forget the scratchers. Forget anything uh, going down to the bodega and making your bets. I just I just won myself a mini lottery. 216-474-0092. We'll continue with the phone calls on this. Also, we'll get to the Ravens and what Ross Tucker had to say. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterlin here with you on The Fan. All righty, back in here on The Fan. It is overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. We're going to get to Ross Tucker's comments on the Ravens and what that means for Lamar Jackson coming up in just a little bit. But right now we're talking about this story with Tyreek Hill. And it's fresh. It's brand new. Just came out within the hour. Dolphin star wide receiver Tyreek Hill allegedly hit a boat employee this past weekend, and the crew member does not want to press charges at this time, according to Fox Sports 640. And the incident, I guess, it started when Hill's crew tried boarding the boat without permission. Never good to board a boat without permission. I worked on one of those one of the boats that serves food in Navy Pier for a little bit. That was like a, like a high school summer job I had. And, uh, yeah, you listen to the captain. And there's no getting around that. You listen to the captain. But but the fascinating part, and I've related to this to, to the Patton Oswalt movie, Big Fan, where in that movie, if you've never seen it, I mean, he's just a diehard Giants fan. Quantrell Bishop is the player's name that he, he stalks, essentially, when he sees him out. And then Quantrell hits him enough times. Dude ends up in the hospital. But he wakes up and he doesn't want to press charges. Wakes up and is like, no, I, I want I want Quantrill Bishop back in the field. Giants need him in order to win a Super Bowl. They gotta, they need him. And I'm wondering if it's like a similar situation that's happening here with Tyreek Hill. This guy doesn't want to press charges, and if you don't press charges, the NFL is going to have a real hard time getting anything done against Tyreek Hill. I mean, the NFL can investigate. They can under the personal conduct policy. They can do that. But if you don't have cooperation by the alleged victim, it can be impossible to prove a violation. In Miami, couple things could have happened. Yes, he could have got paid under the table for sure. That is an option. But ultimately, he could just be a massive Dolphins fan. So I'm asking you guys. Similar situation happens to you. Browns player that we need in order to go to the Super Bowl ends up in a situation like this. Slaps you, hits you. You pressing charges? Or are you saying, no, it's worth it. It's worth more to me to see the Browns win games. Two one six four seven four double zero ninety two. Nelson and Avon Lake up next on the fan. Hello, Nelson. 
What's up, JP? Yo. You know, we we football fans, we're stupid. You know, <laughs> uh, so 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 I'll be honest, man. Um, I don't know if I'm reporting the the player, but it's a sliding scale, right? Like it depends on who the player is, the importance. Uh, and then how is that? And then how I'm getting taken care of, right? Because the previous caller says 50 G's, man. I don't know if uh, if uh, if I'm sucker punched by like Miles, who's a big dude, uh, that could put me out for a while. I may need more than 50, so I don't know. It's, it's a sliding scale, I guess. I do think so. Player matters to you, and the amount that they want to give you under the table matters to you. Of course. I think that's of fair. Course. I mean, I I need Miles on the field this year. I need my quarterback <laughs> on the field this year. I love the idea. Thank, right, thank you, Nelson, man. I appreciate yeah. you. I love the idea of it being like it's not a close cut. I actually kind of think, I think for a Browns fan, that's your best outcome, right? Now, if you if you press charges and then you take them to civil court, you can end up with millions. So people thinking this is your only track to uh, to money is not true. It's not the only way you end up money in this, uh, in, you know, with a wealthier and higher bank account than what we're currently describing. Like this Marina guy. I don't know. I have no idea. Drew Rosenhaus was apparently with Tyreek Hill. I have no idea if Drew Rosenhaus moved over off to the side, wrote out a fat check, and was like, here, sorry for your troubles today. And, uh, hey, don't press charges. This is what the check's for, okay? He does the John Hamm, the Don Draper. That's what the money's for. That, that's what the money's for. I don't think that's necessarily it, but I do love the idea that it matters how good the player is. It's, all, it's, it's a massive part of the story. Tyreek Hill does it. You don't press charges. Guy on the bubble that might play in one of those preseason games that would matter the world to him. You know, the preseason games, it's a bunch of baristas on the field. That guy, maybe, maybe you don't end up going through with it the same way. Maybe you treat it just a little bit differently. Wild story. Absolutely wild. I'm so fascinated by this, though. How deep is the Browns fan desire to win games? At what player, what players are cut off to whether or not you press charges or not? That's fascinating to me. I, I do think the money on the side would be a big factor on it. I definitely do. You're definitely getting more if you take them to the courts, though. If you take them to the courts and figure the whole thing out. Don't monitor this one. I don't know. I don't know that we're going to get anything more on it tonight. We're certainly not going to find out what the under the table compensation would be. We are never going to find that out. But Tyreek Hill, be better, man. Just abs- just be better. These are the stupid things that athletes get away with and people in high-profile situations get away with. What's that joke from Gerard Carmichael? Gerard Carmichael, once I made a joke on an HBO special, where he's like, I'm not rich, but I'm rich enough where if we were in the back alley, I could slap one of you guys in the face and get away with it. Like that, It's kind of what it feels like. Kind of what it feels like right here with Tyreek Hill. All right, leave that there. Ross Tucker. We're going to get to what he had to say about the Ravens. But first, Daryl Ryder is going to join us later in the program and Andy Baskin. They're going to be busy until the Browns head to West Virginia, making sense of the NFL world. Get two new episodes of It's Always Game Day in Cleveland every week. 923thefan.com and the Odyssey app brought to you locally by Smiley One Heating and Cooling and Bryant doing whatever it takes. Ross was on earlier today with Ken, with Anthony, and they brought up the Ravens. Got a lot on Baltimore, got a lot on Ravens and and what's going to happen with Lamar Jackson. For those that don't know, Lamar has decided that he's going to be more of a passing quarterback. That is part of the whole deal. That is what he's trying to do in getting Odell Beckham Jr. That's why they drafted Zay Flowers. That is why they got Rashad Bateman the way that they have and maintained him. And 
Nelson Aguilar they added to the mix. They're really trying to to put together a decent weaponry for Lamar Jackson to give him a chance to be that quarterback. Ross earlier today said this about Baltimore. I'm telling you right now, I think the Ravens take a step back this year. I think the Ravens take a step back this year, and it would not shock me if they ended up being last in the AFC North. Right now, I think Cincinnati's at the top, and I think Pittsburgh and Cleveland are probably battling for next. All of this stuff about let's get Odell Beckham Jr. for $15 let's draft this guy, let's throw the ball more. Are we sure that that's in the Ravens' best interest for winning football games? Like, Are we sure about that? We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I know this much. Multiple back-to-back years in the playoffs, that Titans lost the next year in Buffalo – Lamar did not throw the ball well enough and play well enough on third and longs when teams stuffed the run. I mean, he put up great regular seasons. Then you got to the point against the Titans against the Bills where they couldn't just run the ball down the people's throats. They had a bunch of third downs, and Lamar and the Ravens offense, not just Lamar, but Lamar and the Ravens offense was not able to convert those third downs. Now you're going to tell me that they're going to be like a throw-first team with Odell Beckham Jr., who didn't play a snap last year? And by the way, are we sure the O-line is suited for like a spread offense where you're throwing the ball all the time after all they had to do was have double tight ends and run the ball with all these design quarterback runs because that's a lot different. It's a lot different when you're throwing the ball over the place. And are we sure Lamar's that good if teams aren't as worried about all the design runs? I'm sure Munkin will still have a couple design runs. And you know when all this stuff looks great? Now. Seven on seven, OTAs, where the quarterback can't get hit and all you can do is throw the ball around. I'm sure it looks great now. Let's see how it looks in the regular season. Let's see how the O-line protects. Let's see how Lamar throws it. I am predicting the Ravens take a step back. I am predicting that all of these kumbaya about Munkin and this new passing offense for the Ravens, I'm not convinced that that's what Lamar does. I mean, the guy's like the best runner as a quarterback I've ever seen. Oh, i got a great idea. Let's have him hardly ever do that. Yeah, I don't think it's even a hot take by Ross. I think it's just the right take. Uh, simply put, it's what I said on CBS Sports Radio a few weeks ago. I, I, I don't understand what they're doing with Lamar, although I understand why Lamar would want to be doing it. From the Ravens' perspective, I don't know why they're caving and giving into everything that he wants, with the exception of thinking, okay, we can make him happy, but if, if you're going to make him happy and he's not going to be the player that you really, truly wanted, what's it all worth? From Lamar's perspective, I understand it completely, though. From Lamar's perspective, he wants to be able to cash checks at 33 years old, and we have zero evidence of any running quarterback being good and cashing checks at 33. I mean, Cam Newton was awesome at 26. He was a pro bowler at 26. At 27, he was done. Never the same. We just don't have a large history of running quarterbacks playing into their 30s and then being Aaron Rodgers, who at 38 years old is still desired and also winning, uh, you know, two out of the last three leg, uh, league MVPs. We just, we don't have that. And we don't have a ton of evidence of seeing careers go through so much like Lamar's has and then find their way out of it. For Lamar, I think he's got the blueprint figured out. You can't be 33 years old 
cashing big checks and still running around the field like it's a game being played in your backyard. Your knees are going to look like oatmeal, and there's a reason running backs don't make it to be old in the NFL. They have the shortest lifespan in all of the NFL, and we know why that is. I think about Vic, and I think about Cam Newton. You know, out of the top eight quarterbacks in rushing yards per game in NFL history, right? Six are active quarterbacks. We just don't have a bunch of history with some of these things. The three non-active quarterbacks, Cam Newton, Michael Vick, and shout-out Terrell Pryor. Congratulations on all of your success. I heard another radio show do that bit, by the way. We got to call him out. We got we got to call him out. Uh you know what? Actually, I'll wait until I'll wait until anyone in the morning show uh, shoots me a text, and then they, then we can go through that road. It would not be difficult to figure it out if you connect some of the dots. Obviously, it's not Pony Show because they made fun of that already, but it did happen. It was a show I listened to earlier today, and I feel like at this point, Ken and Anthony are going to have something go across the country, and they're just not going to ever get credit for that being theirs. They're going to be like, "You didn't create that. There's no way you created that." And they'll be like, "Yeah, yeah, that was us." I'm like, "No, you did." Yeah, no, it was us. Vic in 13 seasons never had a 3,500-yard passing season, and Cam, who in 10 years had one 4,000-yard season, and that was his rookie year. We don't have a ton of evidence of these guys playing deep into their career, but the ones that have, we don't have a ton of evidence of them all of a sudden being great. And Lamar Jackson earlier this offseason said that he's going to become a 6,000-yard passer. Now, that's laughable because Patrick Mahomes is not a 6,000-yard passer. Nobody in NFL history is a 6,000-yard passer. So it's laughable. It's audacious. I love the temerity attached to it all, but it is not plausible when it comes to what he can do on a football field. If I ask you guys, though, Can Lamar succeed as a passing quarterback? When you hear what Ross said, are you buying into the idea that the Ravens are going to be the team that takes a step backwards this year? I doubt it's going to be Cincinnati, although making it to the AFC title game three straight years is incredibly hard. I don't know about Pittsburgh quite yet. I don't know. I got to see a little bit more. I don't know what Kenny Pickett is going to be. It was a disastrous year one. I don't have much faith, but they have a good weaponry. They have a good defense, always a good defense with T.J. Watt in there. I'm not 100% sure on Pittsburgh quite yet. But when it comes to the Ravens, if they're going to make Lamar go against what Lamar does best, I agree with Ross. I think that's going to be very detrimental to them. 216-474-0092. Can Lamar succeed as a passing quarterback? We have the fan focus coming your way at 9 o'clock. Ton to get to. Your call's next. Overtime with Jonathan Peterson here with you on the fan. Absolutely, especially with the receivers we have. Just being able to throw the ball down the field. You know, we sometimes, sometimes, you know, we can't. Running not going, running can only take you so far, you know. And I feel like with, with this new era of uh, teams and offenses in the league, I, I feel like we need that. And Coach Todd Monken, what I'm seeing his offense so far is looking tremendous. That's voice of Lamar Jackson right there. And we're, we're talking about Ross Tucker's comments earlier today. He says the Ravens are going to take a step backwards. Question I for you guys is whether or not the Ravens can succeed with Lamar as a passing quarterback. And I want to hear from you, 216-474-0092. Credit to Lamar for connecting the dots that the rest of the league hasn't until now. He needed to become a passing quarterback if he wants to still be playing quarterback at 35. Just the reality of it. I believe part of why he's done this is because he was the one that said he wanted to become a billionaire and a Super Bowl champ. But you don't get to be a billionaire by having your knees resemble a car wreck at 27. You have to be able to cash another big day. 
show the league that you can do it with your arm, and there you go. I feel like Josh Allen is going to come under this scrutiny in a little bit. Josh Allen, at this current point, though, everyone believes can use his arm and only his arm and will be just as successful. Truthfully, though, Josh Allen is a dynamic running quarterback. We just don't give him the credit that he deserves. But you're watching all these guys. Jalen Hurts didn't get the bag because Jalen Hurts was some sort of great thrower of the football. It's because he could do everything with his legs in addition to what he could do with his arm. But for some reason with Lamar, and maybe this goes back to when he was taken late in the first round and some of the comments made then, I don't know. But the idea that he can't be a passing quarterback has always been a part of his identity. Always. But if I was a Ravens fan, I would be worried that you're taking the best part of his game, you're throwing it out the window, not just the best part of his game by a little bit. He is the very best running quarterback the league has ever seen. You want to make the arguments, you can. How Michael Vick got two $100 million deals for a reason, with a prison stint in between, but you get the point. I just look at Lamar and I think to myself, this is entirely different. The same way in baseball, I look at hitters as left-handed and right-handed and how they comp out differently on the right side. If they're a four-time All-Star on the left side, they're a journeyman. Same human, that's fine, but I'm going to look at you differently on each side of the plate. Lamar's still Lamar Jackson, but I have to judge him based off of something different if he's trying to turn into a passer of the football in this capacity. I just have to. You know, we do all these different, like, preseason quarterback rankings. I said before I didn't think you could judge Deshaun Watson on what you saw last year into what he would be this upcoming year. I think Deshaun and I think Russell Wilson are incredibly tough to judge. I would throw Lamar Jackson in that mix as well. Lamar now thinks he's going to throw for 6,000 yards. He thinks he's going to be way more of a passing quarterback than a running quarterback. And maybe this will all get thrown out the window. I'm not entirely sure. But what happens when Lamar Jackson is five weeks into the season, Baltimore is struggling, and they need to get the offense going? Is he going to still throw worm burners into the ground at Odell Beckham Jr.'s feet? Or is he going to try to go ahead and piece this whole thing together on the fly? I just, I fundamentally disagree with the idea, but I understand why he's doing it. But it doesn't mean people like myself and Ross Tucker can't turn around and say, well, I don't think you're going to be as good of a quarterback then. I don't think I can make you a top 10 quarterback because you didn't win the league MVP because you were throwing the football a ton. He led the league in touchdowns that year, sure. But he didn't throw for 5,000 yards. He was far from it. And in his career, he has never put up a bunch of yards in the passing category. K.J. Wright, Good Morning Football, had this to say. I thought this was interesting. Here we go. Is that the best thing for the Ravens' offense, though, this season, K.J.? Absolutely not. And Lamar Jackson... Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Lamar Jackson (laughs) will be doing defenses a favor and the Baltimore Ravens a disservice if he has this I'm going to run less mentality. Understand this. He is probably the most dynamic football player, speed and quickness wise, that I have ever faced in my NFL career. Football player, not just quarterback. Football player. And um, just look at this. Prime example. This is easy. I can make this tackle in my sleep. I'm snipping this man's ankles right now. This man is phenomenal. He's quick, and when you take off running against defenses, this just scares the life out of guys. And when he gets in the open field, no one guy can bring down Lamar Jackson. Yeah, he's got he is a legitimate cheat code. But the problem with being a cheat code is that it does have an expiration date. And for every running quarterback we've seen, 
eventually your knees catch up to you. So I get what Lamar is doing. I understand why he's trying to do it. I don't think it helps Baltimore, though, to be making this type of commitment to the passing game. Not for this upcoming season, but they're going to give it their all. They're going to give it their effort. I just, And I know Harbaugh is still great, and the defense will still be great, and they're going to have a bunch of safety nets to make sure that they never truly do plummet. It's a lot there in Baltimore that is always going to work. I'd be worried because when we when we saw Tyler Huntley come in there, which is Dollar Store Lamar, and we watched him, there was one game he stood out in, right? It was that the Packers national game a couple years ago. It was a game against Green Bay, and he went off. And from that point forward, people because it was a national game, people thought that Tyler Huntley was God's gift to football. Look a little bit deeper. People in Baltimore can't stand him being the backup quarterback. We have our buddy from the Big Bad Morning Show on every now and then. And all he ever does talk about is how he's like, Tyler Huntley ain't it. Everyone thinks Tyler Huntley is it. Tyler Huntley is not it. Like, all right, I believe you. I believe you. Look at what happened when he was in charge. I do think there's a lot of this Ravens team that is dependent on Lamar Jackson using his legs. What I'm fascinated to find out about is that six, seven, eight weeks into the season, if it's not going particularly well, do they hit the eject button on that plan? And does he turn back into the old Lamar or does he try to stick it out? And who knows? Maybe I'm the one that's wrong. Maybe you'll get to a point where Lamar Jackson is just awesome. He stays awesome. He can pass as well as he can run. And we legitimately have one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen. I'm just, I'm doubting that right now. 216474-0092. Thought it was interesting earlier today. They talked about the rest of the division. I do agree with Lima that any team that finishes last in the AFC, and I know it's kind of like an obvious statement for 300, Alex. Like I, I under, like yes, the, any team that finishes last in their division is gonna be a disappointment. That's part of what happens when you finish last in the division. But I think for the AFC North in particular, I think it does stand out. I think Pittsburgh would be massively disappointed. I think the Browns here would be massively disappointed. Baltimore would feel like a real kick to the chandelier for those fans, and then Cincinnati can't even envision that. The Bengals fans wouldn't even know what to do with themselves. If Joe Burrow, it'd have to be a Joe Burrow injury. That's the only way they finish last in the division. Joe Burrow gets injured at some point in the season, misses an extended period of time, and then they just chalk the whole thing up to, you know, that's football and injuries happen the same way Joe got injured his rookie year. 216-474-0092. Angelo and Akron, I'm next on the fan. Hello, Angelo. All right. Hey, how you doing, Jonathan? Yo, what's up, Angelo? Not much. This is what I want to say. I'll say as far as Baltimore, I think people are sleeping on the OBJ factor. I don't think he ever really had a quarterback that can freestyle like Lamar can. And his his style of play, I think, fits perfect with Lamar. I think he's going to have one of the best seasons of his year. And I, I think people are sleeping on but I don't I don't agree with Ross. I, I think Baltimore is going to do something. Now, Cincinnati, this is what I want to say about Cincinnati. They get all this love. But has anyone really ever seen the way the Browns play Cincinnati? We be whooping on them. Oh, yeah, we kill them. We kill them. With the exception of the last time we played them, though, that one wasn't great. 
That one, yeah, that one that's, that's what I was going to say. And Cincinnati kind of came on in the second half. But I, I think Joe Burrow, he's shell-shocked with, with the Browns. And now that they've picked up them defensive ends, I think he's thinking like, oh, my God, the Browns. We be whooping on Cincinnati. I'm not even worried about Cincinnati. You know the team <laughs> I'm worried about? What team is Pittsburgh. That's who I'm worried about. You're more scared of Pittsburgh than you are Cincinnati? Yes. As far as the Browns are concerned, everybody else in the league gives all this love to Cincinnati. But as far as the Browns are concerned, uh, we got them. We own them as far as I'm concerned. And that's all I got to say. Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate you, man, as always. You know, you get, you just, you gave me a lot to work with there, okay? You gave me a lot to work with. First off on OBJ, he's 30 years old coming off two surgeries. You, you have a right to be worried about OBJ. Any 30-year-old wide receiver with two uh, coming off two surgeries, you got a right to be worried about. Just a little bit. Maybe you're proven right. Maybe you are. I, I always liked OBJ. Always liked OBJ. Other part of this. I used to have a uh, I used to have a theory on Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, of course, is from Iowa, but uh, you know Ohio claims him because he moved here when he was seven. He is from Iowa, uh, but you know that's fine. Neither here nor there. He grew up a Browns fan, though, right? That's by all accounts. His, his, his buddies were Browns fans. He grew up interested in the Browns more than any other team. I used to have this theory that Joe Burrow would, would like, that was a way of giving high school him a present every year, that he would lose the game to the Browns as, like, a, a weird way, subconsciously, obviously not consciously, but subconsciously he was, like, in this battle against 15-year-old him, and he, he just didn't have it in him to beat the Browns because he just he just couldn't. But this last year, he just wiped the floor with us in the one game. So I, I that theory completely went away. Completely went away. It would have been a fun theory. It would have been ridiculous. Don't take it as an honestly, like, Jonathan's cooking up some. That's No, that's galaxy brain. It is not It is not anything you need to take home with. But it uh, would have been fun nonetheless. There's a lot within this division that is fascinating. There's no doubt about that one. All right. Leave that there. We come on back. It's time to get to the fan focus. It's overtime. But Jonathan Peterson here with you guys on 92.3 The Fan.